Thanks for tuning in to today's Horsewoman podcast. Our show explores women in the horse industry as they share their dreams, challenges, successes. What drives these women? Well, let's find out. This is Rose Cushing, host of today's Horsewoman podcast, and we had a chance to get Amy Skinner on the line this morning, and she's going to talk to us about the Best Horse Practices Summit that just recently was held out west. So, Amy, tell us a little bit about this event. Oh, hey, Rose. First of all, thanks for having me. Um, The Best Horse Practices Summit is the coolest event. Um, It's out in Lexington, Kentucky this last year, but it's been in various places like Durango, Colorado, um, it's been in Maine, uh, I believe that's it actually, in as far as locations, but it's a two-day gathering where we have um, horsemen and women from all over the country and all over the world really, and then we gather the best and the brightest in the industry and we have arena presentations and classroom demonstrations and um, it's really a, a, a an event that covers every topic from saddle fitting to working cattle to dressage to nutrition, everything you need to know if you have a horse. That's really amazing. And what kind of speakers does this attract? Uh, so we had, uh, we've had Garrett Hushman, who is a world-renowned vet and dressage instructor and trainer. Uh-huh. Uh, we've had Temple Grandin, who is a leading voice for uh, stockmanship and autism um, she she talks about the two things together quite a bit. Right. Uh, we've had uh, Randy Riemann. Uh We've had we've had all kinds of people. I know. I mean, just the biggest names in the business is what I've seen in the past. Yeah. You know, what what a wonderful opportunity for folks to learn about every aspect. Yeah, it's um, it's really a fantastic event. And you you did a presentation, I think, every year, haven't you? Almost every year. I've done about three, and I believe there's been five total. So this last year, I was a guest writer for Nashon Cook. Um, I didn't do my own presentation. I just wrote for him. But I've done three presentations so far, yeah. That's awesome. And I'm not, yeah. I'm not familiar with Nashon Cook, so tell me who that is. Um, he is a classical dressage trainer and instructor. Okay. Obviously, I, I don't do dressage, so I... I That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I lead more toward the Western world, but you know, at the end of the day, good riding is good riding, and it, well, that's the yeah, that's the point of the event is that it's it's all for all of us. You know, yes. there's nothing presented that shouldn't be for everyone. Absolutely. So, what are some of the topics that they covered this year? Oh, we had such great ones. We had a saddle fit presentation, um, and they went over some things that we, as a horse owner, can look for to know for saddle fits or if we need help. Um, we had a presentation on bits and bidding, and Jack um, did a lot of myth busting. Yeah. Um, and talking a lot about mouth anatomy, head anatomy, and neck anatomy, and, and why those things are so important to the horse and to our riding. Um, let me see what else. We had a uh, stockmanship demonstration, which I also got to ride in with Patrick King, and right. that was working cattle um, with Chris and Mike Stokely, who are wonderful. Yeah. Um, let me think what else. We had uh, Josh Nichols do a presentation. National Cook did a presentation. Um, Patrick King did a presentation on lateral work. Uh, we had a women's leadership um, presentation. That's an interesting topic. Did you go to that one? 
No, unfortunately, the women's leadership and the stockmanship was at the same time. So oh, I was okay. in the stockmanship and didn't get to go to that one, but I would have liked to. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good topic. Yeah. Very important topic. You know, women in our industry pretty much dominated. I mean, you know, it started out kind of as a man's thing way back, but now it's yeah. women is the yep. demographic. Yep. The demographic is raising, but the confidence level hasn't accompanied it absolutely absolutely yeah i know a lot of my friends that do clinics tell me that their biggest market is women who are returning to the horse world but have not regained their confidence that they had when they were young and mm -hmm. you know huge huge area there that needs needs a little band-aid <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> for sure so of all the events this year which one did you appreciate the most or find the most helpful for you you know, the, the bidding one, I think, honestly, was probably my favorite because there was just so much information covered that applies to all of us. It was everything from snaffle bits to shank bits to hackamores to bitless bridles and, and really just dispelling a lot of misinformation out there. And it's presented in a really uh, straightforward, um, no-nonsense kind of way, which appeals to me a lot. So. Right. And that one was my favorite. That's a topic that's not talked about a tremendous amount. And every piece of equipment we put on that animal, we need to understand completely how it works, yep. why we use yep. it. Is it the best piece? Yeah. So There's a lot of emotion and dogma around all of those things. So what not a, a lot of logic. Absolutely. Were there other topics that, that you found felt like you brought stuff home you could put right to work yeah um no the other one i forgot to mention was dr sherry king did a presentation on uh, gut health digestion with horses and she dispelled a lot of myths like uh you know overfeeding grain um just, just everything regarding like how a horse's gut is set up and Right. Um, it's just a, a really good reminder that horses are designed to move and have mostly forage that's low quality and lots of movement, lots of fiber. And then the things that we are feeding them commercially today are, are not ideal for their gut. So. Yeah, I, I guess it's kind of the same thing that we've done to the dogs is that, you know, we want yeah. to humanize them so much that we, mm -hmm. we feed things enticing to us and not have yeah. any regard for what they need and what they like. Yeah, love them to death, and that's um. But Sherry King is really good at dispelling this there too, and just driving home the cold hard facts. You know that that their horses—they're not people, they're not dogs. They need what horses need, not what we think they need. Absolutely, you know, my my dog could care less about a cheeseburger. You know, he yeah. he really yeah. likes liver and stuff that I wouldn't yeah. touch. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I'm sure my horse feels the same way when I look at his feed, but I trust the nutritional experts for that, so I don't I don't worry too much about compounding him a little dinner. But, yeah. So what other types of subjects have they covered in the past that you found that were really helpful? Because I want people to see what a value this is to go to. Well, we've had uh, brain science seminars with Steve Peters multiple times where he covers how the horse's brain works, how they think, how they how they learn. And those are so valuable. I mean, I, I could not recommend that one enough to people. His information is out there. Uh, he's still doing seminars, and he's got a website, and I believe he's got YouTube interviews with 
all kinds of people, you can get this information out there for free. So there's just no excuse to not know it anymore. I agree. Um, just understanding how a horse's mind works is so important because most of us are anthropomorphizing and thinking the way we think. And, you know, if you have a little understanding for how they learn, this is very eye-opening. Absolutely. You know, one of the, the best analogies I've ever seen is if you're trying to teach a kindergartner something or you're trying to teach a college student something, it's a different approach. And you got to know, Absolutely, yeah. you know, where does your horse lie in that spectrum? And, you know, how can you, Absolutely. if you don't speak his language, he doesn't have a clue what you're saying to him. Absolutely. That, yeah, one of the biggest takeaways there is that the horse doesn't have a fully developed frontal lobe like we do, which is where the logic and reasoning comes from so you know when people say they're tying the horse to a post to teach him a lesson and he can just stand there and think about what he's done you know he's not capable of that type of reasoning so you know when we're approaching teaching from a human's perspective to a horse we get into trouble i agree 100 percent with that um what what subjects would you like to see covered in the future at these type of events what things do you think that we could we could benefit by adding to that program well, I'd love to see more of the women's leadership thing, because um, that's a topic dear to my heart, uh, and I would love to see that more. Uh-huh. Um, I'd love to see more anatomy, uh, more biomechanics. That We've had a couple of those, but I'd love to touch on that more. Um, and I, I honestly think that the vast majority of the population could benefit from talking about um, behavior of horses and how to handle setting them up for their, their best behavior. I don't know how to put that more eloquently. Right, <laughs> that makes sense. Things like horse keeping, like keeping them out on turnout and the right type of forage and what type of training program, and all the things that go into making a horse happy, comfortable, and well-behaved. You know, because it's not just as simple as training. You're absolutely right. And so oftentimes people don't let their horse be a horse. Oh, it's so important. And it's just... um. You know, as a horse trainer myself, I would say three-quarters of the horses that come here are not turned out with other horses before they come here. So, yeah. you know, we know that a horse is a herd animal, and yet how many horses do I encounter that are living in a herd? And that, that's just central to their well-being. So, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I, I used to have stallions, and, and I never secluded them because they were stallions. Mm-hmm. I, I taught them to behave, and they did. Right. You know, yeah. and they were happy because they were with other horses. And if they weren't in with the pen with them, they could see them and interact with them and, you know, smell them and talk yeah. to them. Yeah. I think that's so important, too, because a herd animal, can't, he doesn't do well isolated from the herd, no matter what what the situation. Yeah. He can have a plush stall with heat and air conditioning, but he yeah, wants to be. Yeah. No, he wants yeah. to be with other horses. <laughs> And that's the thing is that so much, I think everybody I've ever met has dealt with herd, herd separation anxiety with horses, but, you know, we're making these problems far worse by our, our weaning practices and our herd setups and our, our, you know, modern setups for horses that don't work for horses. It's making their anxiety um, much worse than it needs to be. I can I can see that, too, in, in the way people handle them because things that mm-hmm. you do for your convenience and your ease are mm-hmm. not always the best choices for him. And, Mm-mm. you know, I always say to my husband, this animal didn't ask to be here. I brought him, so he's my responsibility. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. so in the women's leadership roles, you know, tell us about how that 
applies in the horse world. And, and you know, what is your thinking about that? I, I, that's a great topic. Well, as a, as a horse trainer clinician myself, you know, this has been a topic that's followed me through my career because when I first started, there weren't that many female clinicians. Um, right. There was a couple, and they were older, and they were ruthlessly mean. So you, you weren't going to get in, like, you know, under their wing. Right. You know, they were very competitive. Um, so finding um, examples to follow, role models to follow for me was tough because there weren't that many women that were doing a job that I could model. Um, and now I mentor a group of young female trainers that are in the same boat where they're looking for a mentor to follow. And, you know, it's, it's a male-dominated industry in terms of who the clinicians are, but the client base is female-dominated. So it's just an interesting um, it's just, it's just interesting all around because, you know, I'm a woman, I know how to talk to a woman better than a man does. And yet it's kind of harder to get respect sometimes from the same client base. So it's, it's, um, an interesting topic because women are in desperate need of confidence and leadership skills and, uh, somebody to support and mentor them in, in how to do this. It's something that needs to be talked about more and more until it just becomes comfortable. I agree 100%. And, you know, in all of the things that I've attempted through my life, it, it was a male-dominated world in every category. And I've never let yeah. that bother me because I always felt like I was smarter than the average man. But <laughs> but you're right about the respect thing because, you know, yeah. it, it's hard to have other women respect you and pay homage to you and not be jealous of you. Hey, y'all. This is Lonnie from Mule City Specialty Feeds located in Benson, North Carolina. It's almost springtime. Is your horse blooming? Does your horse have a shiny coat and healthy hooves? How much extra time and money are you spending mixing supplements in the feed room when you could be enjoying your horse in the arena or out on the trail? Then look no further. Mule City Specialty Feeds has a line of equine feeds that delivers maximum nutrition. From your performance horse to your weekend trail horse, our line of maximum nutrition equine feeds offers five different complete balanced formulas that will take you out of the feed room and into the saddle. In addition to equine feeds, we also offer complete feeds for your barnyard pets and livestock. For more details, visit our website at mulecity.com, follow us on Facebook, or give us a call at 1-800-587-9229. And don't forget, Mule City delivers. Oh my gosh, yeah, that is, it's, um... I could talk about this forever, but, you know, so my, my average client is a middle-aged woman, mm -hmm. but we have a different dynamic. If I'm teaching a middle-aged woman, then a, a younger man would be teaching that same middle-aged woman because the middle-aged woman looks at me as a daughter figure, a friend, or a peer, right. whereas a male trainer is going to command more respect more readily. There's a lot more hoops to navigate, and then being assertive as a female, especially if you're younger than your client base, is, is problematic because people do not take that well quite often. Absolutely. I, and women to women don't often take that well. So there's a lot more hoops to jump through as a female in business, I think. I think so, um, too. Yeah. You know, we're taught to be submissive to the male from you yeah. know, that's our culture. I mean, we can't help that. So it takes a long time to unlearn that. And for some, yeah. some reason, women feel very competitive with other women. 
And yeah. when you find yeah. you find one such as yourself, you know, you're such a treasure because you're not threatened by other women. You welcome them to follow you and emulate you and ask you questions and, and exceeds exceed you. And that's yeah. Really successful women, that's what we all want. I want you to go farther than I ever did. You know, push the boundaries yeah. and be confident. Yeah, I hope my my uh trainers that I mentor, I hope they're twice the trainer that I am and they get out in twice the places. You know, that's my goal is to get them to feel like it's okay to supersede your mentor. And and that's a big problem with women because we're people pleasing by nature. Well, I don't know how much is nature or nurture really because we're brought up to keep everybody comfortable. Right. And being a threat to somebody else is not keeping them comfortable. So it, I really have to push them to get out there because it, it is uncomfortable for them and they feel like if they stir up trouble, if they make waves and they aren't keeping people comfortable, and that really, really scares them. I agree with you on that, too. And I, I think that that having that self-confidence and that self-assurance that you know what you know and you do it well really, mm-hmm. really helps with that obstacle because, um, you know, in my, my business, I'm, I'm just a, an old lady doing this stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of people younger, smarter, better, faster. But, mm-hmm. but I've been doing it a long time, so I still bring stuff to the table, too. And that's, you know, right. that's something we have to teach them and not to be inhibited by the naysayers or the haters because they're there. You know, I can't oh, imagine yeah. why people wouldn't love me, but some don't, you know, <laughs> and I've learned to live with it. <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been called arrogant probably every day of my life for the last 10 years by somebody. And I don't. I don't roll off your back is an imperative part to being successful as a woman, regardless of yeah. your field. I mean, you have to do that. And, and that's yep. not easy. It's easy to say, but it's not easy to do. Um, but I think that you got to make sure you don't knock other people out of your way to get there. And, and that's a common problem in, in male dominated fields with women trying to rise up in them as they are competing for that one spot at the table and knocking the girls out of the way. I agree with that, too. I, I, I can proudly say that I I know that in my life I have never stomped on anybody to get ahead of them. I, I, yeah. I, I never would because I, I like mm-hmm. to think that I'm better than that. And yeah. I, I don't have to do that to get ahead. So, you know, yeah, positive things that we need to teach women for sure. Yep. Any other Absolutely. ideas about, about the summit? And, you know, um, we need to do one over on this side of the world really badly. Well, you know, it's like I said, biomechanics are dear to my heart, and I think that even from an anatomy standpoint, there's a lot of people who have a great understanding of anatomy but not applied into movement. Uh-huh. And, and that's something I run into a lot um, with professionals who do, like, you know, vets are well-schooled in anatomy far more than I could ever hope to be, um, but applied into movement is, is an area that I think is weak, and so... That's near and dear to my heart, and that's one that I like to talk about. And I think it can be made simple. I think it can be made easy to understand, and I don't think it has to be that overwhelming or complicated or intimidating. I agree. I agree 100%. I think that biomechanics is so imperative that people learn. And I think the name mm-hmm. is a little intimidating and scary when you, because it's like robotics, you know. You think, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll never <laughs> grasp that. But it's, it's, yep. not, it's not that complicated at all. No. I, horses are simple creatures for the most part. They're very simple yep. creatures, and, and we make it way harder than it is. That's what I say to most of my students is that most people are overcomplicating movement to a point that it doesn't need to be. If you can't explain it to a six-year-old, you just don't understand it. That's my stance. So I try to make movement really simple 
the principles are really simple. I'm not saying the application is easy, but the principles are very simple to understand. Right. And like anything new that you learn, you just have to practice, practice, practice till you can do it. Yeah. And you might have to retrain your eye a little bit because I think industry-wide we're used to looking at movement that is not biomechanically sound. So when you see biomechanically sound movement, it looks it looks weird for a little bit until you're used to you're used to it and you understand it a little bit better. I agree. I think in so many disciplines we ask the horse to move in ways that that he's not really built to do. And exactly, and yeah. You get used to seeing it, like you say, and then when he's doing yeah. it right, you're like. That's funny looking. It's boring. <laughs> yeah, it's funny or it's boring. I get that's probably the comment I get the most is that's boring to look at. I'm like, well, <laughs> that's the way he was designed to move, and that's what it's going to keep him sound. Absolutely. And, you know, when you get used to seeing him move the way he's supposed to, and you know he's comfortable doing that, that's, you know, if that doesn't mean anything to you, you're in the wrong business anyway. Well, that's what I say to people is you just have to train your eye to see beauty differently. Because if you're looking for flashy and exciting and fast and hard, and that's your idea of beauty, then you're going to be disappointed when you see fluid or graceful or happy, you know. But if you learn to see what beautiful, if beautiful means happy to you, then, then, you know, it looks totally different. Absolutely. The fluidity of movement of a horse, when he's natural and he's in the field and he's doing his own thing, yeah. there's nothing more beautiful than that, you know? Absolutely. I, I agree. Absolutely. I agree. So when is the next Best Practices Horse Practices Summit? I don't believe there's a date yet. Okay. Um, I guess you can it's in October. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So how can people find out more information about that particular event? Um, there is a website, and it is besthorsepracticesummit.org. Okay. And how can people reach you? Because I'm sure that, you know, there will be people out there that have questions or, or want you to help them or train their horses. So how can people reach you? Well, I have a website, amyskinnerhorsemanship.com. You can find me on Facebook or Instagram under the same thing, amyskinnerhorsemanship. Um, that's the easiest way to reach me. Okay. And I highly encourage young women out there that are working hard to, to make a name for themselves and, and be a part of this wonderful industry, emulate and practice and follow people like Amy. You know, find the people that are doing it right and follow them. Amy is one I highly, highly recommend. Well, thank you. That's really sweet. Thank you for being on the show today. And thank you guys, as always, for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Our souls wander in similar places. Even though we may not know each other, we touch the same wind, we walk under the same sky, and our hearts wander in the same dreams. We are one, women just like you and me. Thank you for listening.